warm welcome to a wet and soggy and stormy day and evening here in Moscow. This is Capital Sports 2.0. I am Alan Moore and this evening as always I'm going to be your co-host because I have a cohort of absolute sports experts. I would say sports nuts but that means that they're a bit crazy. They are crazy but it's only about sports and now I'm sounding like Alan Partridge and I'll move on very very quickly. Going to start off right away with Isolt Cody over in Dublin, who of course is tending to her sick little puppy. Um, and that is not a metaphor, that is a sick dog. Uh, I, I'm going to start with Isolt because it's all about love stories with you at the moment. If it's not about a love for Simba or a love for Tip, it's these two people from Russia who... Um, were involved in some major doping scandals and now have a guy who, in his own kind of uh, terms, brought down Armstrong. He's written a chiclet love story about them. You've got two minutes. The book, The Russian Affair. I obviously decided David Walsh is a journalist with The Times in the UK. He's most famous for a book he wrote on Lance Armstrong. And subsequently, he has written a lot of books generally taking the sway that's in vogue at the time on a particular athlete or sport. When I saw the headline, A Russian Affair, I thought this is going to be an in-depth look at where systematic doping happened in a country. And I don't think there's no denial that it has occurred. However, 12 chapters in, and I have yet to get to a point where it isn't written in the fashion of a chiclet book. Now, I have nothing against chiclet genre. However, when I pick up a book on doping in sports, I want doping in sports. Instead, the idea behind the first several chapters is to set the scene of these, well, basically a love-struck puppy who decides he is going after a woman who makes it very clear this is unrequited. And he proceeds to basically harass her into marrying him. He also acts as a taxi service whenever she comes to whatever city he is in at the time. And then in the background, as we're getting further into the insight to these characters, we're hearing about her awful childhood. Now, as tragic and all as that is, none of this is an excuse for doping. And it's amazing that this man is being portrayed from the initial sort of sequence in the book as a gentleman who has high moral standpoint, but yet he's just now trying to protect his wife because he realizes if he's to turn on the doping, he'll have to turn on her. And we've now reached a point in the book where he is beginning to realize to tell the story of Russian doping, he has to tell about his wife's story. Now, in all this, one would wonder what they may get out of it. Well, there's a book being written that's already being mooted as being a bestseller by a best-selling author, despite the lack of actual merit of sport telling in the story. And they're, of course, bringing in in the background a man who himself is due to have a book coming out as the bad guy. We can all guess who that is. My difficulty with the book is, well, firstly, it's in the genre of a chiclet. And I will be going to bookstores all over the country and moving it from the sports section straight to the fiction section, as I did with Freeman's book on cycling. And I literally did that in several airports and bookstores, because if you're going to tell a, sport, a story of sports doping, you cannot make the characters try and humanize them and say that this was all something that accidentally happened to them. You don't accidentally take EPO. If you do, you really should be in a different category of sports. And to be honest, I'm going to finish the book and I'm going to try and give it some form of critical analysis. But if you're looking for a book that charts doping, do not look to a Russian affair. It's insulting to the people it's describing and it's insulting to what it's meant to describe. 
Um, I just look forward to the point in a few years' time when Mo Farah's, I don't know, wife perhaps, comes out and publishes her story about the Mo affair and it'll all be just as beautifully couched in such lovely and romantic terms without any substantial acknowledgement of what was going on. Every person in that book thus far is involved in doping or covering up doping. As it is, the main male protagonist also managed to bribe his way out of army service, so he's hardly a man of huge moral standing. However, that's pretty much my review thus far. If I finish the book, I'll finish my review, but at this point, I'm over halfway through. It's a nine-hour listen on Audible, and I would seriously recommend to people not to listen to it unless you want to substitute it in for normal people, which is currently the on vogue book over here <laughs> of course that's the uh, the stefan i was just speaking about um yes. he of course was covering up her tests as well as getting money for covering up other people's doping tests and of course once then she had paid a bribe or many bribes to um cover up failed tests and still failed they cried foul and they got a nice payoff from german tv and yeah. uh, left the country. And now they have a chiclet bestseller from a guy who really, you know, who basically said that he went into Team Sky and didn't see any doping and said that they're all clean and that he would stake his reputation at Chris Froome. Turn from I think we also, we also need to take a minute to also remember if you want a book to read alongside it, Gregor Rachenkov's book is out this week as well. Yeah, how he brought down Putin's doping empire. There you go. Right, <laughs> we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm. I'm gonna move on very quickly to Andrew. Andrew Flint, uh, over to you. Uh, you have two minutes. Please be brief. Don't, 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 don't. Evening <laughs> mood more. Don't worry. There's no chiclet in my two minutes. I promise you. Um, okay, starting off with a bit of drama. Then, Mircea um, Lukashescu. Um, Shakhtar Donetsk legend, he won pretty much everything going with them other than the Champions League. He was appointed as Dynamo Kiev manager four days ago and fairly understandably given Shakhtar Donetsk and Dynamo Kiev's fierce rivalry together, the ultras who control most of what goes on at that club have protested violently and it's been reported in Romanian media that already after only four days in the job, he has resigned. It's not been officially confirmed, but I'll be honest, even if he does stay, it's going to be a rocky road for him right from the start. Moving into Russia then, Dejan Lovren has signed for Zenit St. Petersburg um, to basically effectively replace Branislav Ivanovic, who incidentally, when Zenit St. Petersburg lifted the Russian Cup, which they won at the weekend, uh, Ivanovic lifted the cup. It's made of cut glass. He dropped it and smashed it. Um, so a, a glorious exit for Branislav Ivanovic. Dejan Lovren, actually, I think it's a good move all round. Liverpool are never going to need him as a first-choice centre-back. Um, and Zanit St. Petersburg can replace a 36-year-old with a slightly younger model, who apparently, in his own words, is one of the best centre-backs in the world. So well done, um, Zanit St. Petersburg. Um, we saw the final day of the English Premier League. Uh, Manchester United are into the Champions League after... A, a relatively timid performance, but it did enough. They beat Leicester City 2-0 away. Um, little side note on that, by the way, which I think is brilliant. There was one man who made a £100 bet at the beginning of the season at odds of 66-1 to that Jesse Lingard would neither score nor assist in the entire season. Eight minutes into added time on the last day of the season, who should score but Jesse Lingard? 
So sorry to that man who's lost a fair bit of money. Uh, and of course, then East St. Petersburg, like I mentioned, they lifted the Russian Cup. They won the double. Um, and we now have two weeks until the start of the Russian Premier League season and a lot of comings and goings already. Um, but uh, to be honest, I need to send Petersburg. They're my, they, they've won next season's title already in my books. Um, but that's what we have so far. Listen, Andrew, brilliant roundup. You were there, of course, uh, covering the cup final. How was it? What was the atmosphere like with basically an empty stadium? <laughs> It was very, very odd, I'll be honest. And there's a 10% capacity limit for crowds in Russia at the moment. And it was pretty much full um, in the stands that were open, but they didn't open the first tier of the entire stadium. So you have the Zenit fans on the right. They were pretty loud, not remotely socially distancing. And at half time in the game, they didn't have a kiss cam. They had a quarantine cam, which brilliantly of the... Eight or nine people that they captured, only one of them was actually wearing a face mask. The, I mean, the, the only the only saving grace was there was no fake crowd noise being piped into the stadium. The Zanit fans made a fair bit of noise. But even when they won, it was sort of, they are so far ahead of the competition in Russia that it wasn't really anything more than just confirming what we knew was going to happen. And to be fair, actually, to FC Himki, the second tier side, who will be in the Premier League next season, who were their opponents... They actually made life very difficult. Um, so it was nil-nil until yeah. the 85th minute. Uh, a fairly dubious penalty given in Zanit's favour. Artem Juba converts it. Um, but uh, Himke gave a good account of themselves. I counted literally on, okay, maybe four or five hands. There were about 25, 30 people in the Himke section. Now, bearing in mind that Himke is only in the outskirts of Moscow, it's pretty easy to get a direct flight from Moscow to Yekaterinburg. Um, relatively disappointing. But the atmosphere was fine, but it was a it was already a done deal before kickoff because we yeah. knew Zanit were gonna win. It's a pity because if Himke actually won the cup, they would have gone straight into European or Europa League group stage, which would have guaranteed <laughs> them about five million euros, which would have paid their way to play in the Premier League next year, of course. And now it's all on the question. Yeah. We will go to Double N. Uh, Double N, you have a couple of interesting stories for us. One about chess doping, but uh, first, something related to that country that we're not going to name. So, uh, one sportsman from that country is still number one in light heavyweight category in ACA, aka Absolute Championship Ahmad, like his sort of championship in Russia, like MMA. So, they had this uh, fight last week, I think, or this week in Sochi. Uh, of course, you've heard about Yemelianenko and going against Ismailov. And the next uh, championship is going to be held on August 8th and it's going to be online. So um, people are invited to buy some tickets and stuff. And while uh, his countrymates, the, the sportsman I mentioned, the, that countrymates football federation is still on break, our neighbors, uh, uh, Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan are due to restart their games, their leagues on August third. Uh, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna see how it goes. And uh, back to the like one of the main story and one of the interesting stories in we are, we talk about doping and we've talked about uh, in doping and cycling. So there is a kind of doping which is called computer doping. As I mentioned, it's, it's it's about chess. And nowadays, as as we have many tournaments being held in like online, so um, this online doping happens a lot more. 
So the, the recent case, according to um, Fide uh, had uh, Dorkovich, yeah, Mr. Dorkovich, he said there was one case last last year, uh, at the end of last year, it was about a Czech player, Igor Rousis. Yeah, so he was caught cheating three times. He was looking into his mobile phone three times to get some suggestion for the next moves and so. And uh, plus he was like fixing some mess also. So uh, it happens, you know, like doping, even even in such fields as chess, it's also happened, unfortunately, and some unfairness going on there as well. Thank you, Dobren. Uh, Derek, you have um, a story that really, when, when, when you mentioned it to me, I was like, okay, we have to go with this. Yeah. It's about racism in Africa, but it's it's the most ridiculous thing that's that's happened, and I think that the the person should be banned from football because it's not a player, it's not a fan, it's a goddamn coach. Coach, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Guy uh, in Tanzania, uh, coaching, he's coaching uh, the uh, Tanzanian club called Young Africans. He he was a player, sixty old coach, with experience in coaching in South Africa, top club in South Africa. This year, he recently joined the club. It's the second biggest club in Tanzania. But recently, he, on a podcast, he said something like, these fans are educated people, but they act like monkeys and dogs. And after that, after the controversy, everything, he said, uh, no, I've been wanting to leave the club because my conditions here, my conditions are not so good. I don't have internet, I don't have Wi-Fi and, and so on. But he says, he claims he wanted to leave the club. He's been wanting to leave the club for some time. But according to the comments I saw online, it seems like he hasn't really been happy because, I mean, he was coaching in South Africa. Uh, South African conditions are better than Tanzania. So he mentioned stuff like, I don't have a car, I don't have Wi-Fi. I mean, what was the general reaction from the, from, from the fans and from the media, Derek? Well, he received a lot of controversy. He received a lot of backlash. And they, they immediately... Uh, so, I mean, he, he apologised. He said, I want to sincerely apologize to people of Tanzania, the fans, supporters. Uh, he said on his Facebook page, but I mean, he, the club immediately uh, told him he lost his job. And he keeps on claiming, say, I really wanted to leave this place uh, weeks ago. In, in African football, uh, like, are, like say, for example, in Zambia, are there a lot of European coaches in the top league? In Zambia, no, not so many. But I mean, our, our national coach is, is, is European. But yes, I would say in most African, I mean, most African clubs are managed by, by European coaches, who, to be honest, are not so good. Who aren't so good? Yeah, Why is that? So <laughs> nah. I mean, it's just, usually it's just like, like this guy, I was, I was reading his, uh, his, his story. He was a goalkeeper for some small club in Belgium, got a coaching license and goes to Africa and, Maybe because he's from Belgium, he's, he easily gets the job. But I mean, like, we have better, we have better African coaches. I don't know. He's Belgium. He played in Europe. He easily gets the job. So there are a lot of them in South Africa. Most South African clubs are managed by, by Europeans. To Alex B, who um, I believe he's in Toronto. Um, I hope the weather is good there. Um, and everyone is kind of waiting what Alex is going to start with. So Alex, uh, a big... Uh, a big, big, uh, let's say, a caprice, as we say here in Russia, taken by WNBA players at the opening of the weekend, opening of the league of the weekend. What did they do and what was it for? All right. So the WNBA, which is, who are notorious for their 
you know, numerous campaigns for equal equal pay and for, you know, specifically the WNBA thing that they're not getting paid enough for what they do. But so at the first game of their season, the New York Liberty against the Seattle Storm, um, they pretty much they walked off the court during the national um, anthem. And that, that was kind of their uh, protests, of course, because of the whole Breonna Taylor situation and all the this was really just to uh, give to, I don't know, give attention to all the women that have been killed because of police violence. So they all had jerseys with uh, Breonna Taylor's last name on the back. And this was really, they just dedicated this season to uh, this cause. So they walked off the, the court, but they did play the game and Breonna Taylor, who was out. Oh, sorry, Breonna Taylor. Oh, man. Oh, my God. The, um, we caught that bit, Alex. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, please. Bri- Brianna, Brianna Stewart, uh, who played for the Russian club Dynamo, tore her Achilles last season. She was out for the whole season. But she came back, and she led her team to victory, finishing with 18 points, eight rebounds, and four steals. I've been hearing a lot of stuff because a lot of players, for example, NFL players, are refusing to play because they're worried about COVID, of course. Um, they're willing to go without salary because, of course, they won't get paid if they don't play. What's the situation like in the NBA? The NBA is coming back. The NBA is, the NBA is fine. The NBA is going to be fine. Of course, you know, it's such a big, uh, big league that, you know, it's very – there's a lot of people watching it. I don't think there's really anything – any financial drawbacks that they're going to be experiencing because they have come back. They have returned. And – by the way, Kyrie Irving made a – this is just, I think, not too long ago. He made a donation of $1.5 million to the WNBA athletes so that, uh, so that the players who, don't, who aren't playing, who can be playing right now, don't have to you know, worry about the financial side of things. That's so, yeah, big, big move by Kyrie Irving. But, again, this just shows the disparity uh, in the, how much they get paid. On July 30th, there, we're going to see the Utah Jazz go against the New Orleans Pelicans and the Lakers face off against the Clippers, which is one of the biggest games before the, before the playoffs start. Because these are the two teams that are number one and number two in the power rankings. And probably the winner of this game is going to be looking like the year 2020 champion. Uh, Orlando versus Brooklyn on July 31st. Memphis at Portland. Uh, Phoenix against Washington and Boston against Milwaukee. Uh, Memphis versus Toronto. Phoenix against Washington. But, oh, sorry. Sacramento. Sacramento at Spurs. Houston and Dallas. And uh, that's all July 31st. And on August 1st, you can see Miami Heat against the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Which one are you most looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward to there's quite a few games here. Uh, I think Boston against Milwaukee is a big game for the Eastern Conference. Those are two of the top three teams, not including Toronto. Uh, so we'll see, what's, we'll see what's happening in the East from what happens in this game. Um, but aside from that, there aren't really a lot of huge games. Uh, if we get into the power rankings as it stands right now, the Lakers are at the top with a record of 49 and 14. They have a very well-balanced team. They have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Obviously, we know that whole story. Uh, the Clippers are the second team. 44 and 20 is their record. They have, again, a very balanced, a very defensive team, but they also have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Oh. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, 
they actually have the best, the cleanest record in the league at 53 and 12. They're the only team to have 50 more than 50 wins so far. Uh, oh yeah, the Bucks have just been doing very well for the past few years. You know, they're they've been a threat. They've never, they you know, that hasn't changed. They've gotten better. Giannis has gotten better. So we'll see what happens from the Milwaukee Bucks this this season. Then the Toronto Raptors and the Celtics are number four and five, obviously. <laughs> you know, there's <laughs> yeah, we've spoken about the Raptors and the Celtics a bit too much over the past year or so. But, you know, just a few things right now. The Raptors, they're doing pretty well. There's not a lot of injuries. They're they've won the two two of the two games that they've played so far. And the Celtics, this will hugely depend on the health of their point guard, Kemba Walker, because he has been really you know, running the offense. That's really something they're going to need if they're going to depend a lot on Kemba Walker. Um, with the books, you think the books can make the big breakthrough and win it all this year? I hope they don't, but <laughs> I think they're very much capable of doing this. It hugely depends on not only Giannis, but you know, if his teammates are willing to pick it up a little bit for him. Obviously, it's it's a huge it's huge just for him because you know everybody knows how much of the what like how big the role he is going to be that he's going to have to play for this team. Cool. And so it really just yeah, we they need to find the balance between him doing his thing and the team picking up the rest of the slack. Okay. Alex, thanks. Okay, hang on there because we're going to come back to you because we're, we're, we're under the 10-minute mark, so we're going to keep moving along. Uh, I'm going to go straight to Isolt. Isolt, um, question for you. Um, interesting one, okay? Uh, looking at the, the attitude now of British media and they're sort of glorying in, in they've got all these great Russian stories. Uh, Rodchenko's book, of course, and he's saying that they had ships that were floating. Then one of his premises, if you buy it, that Russia boycotted the 84 Olympics in L.A. because the, uh, under Don Catlin, they had, they had constructed a better testing system. Do you reckon that is true or false? And why do you think it's true or false? I think it is the most nonsensical thing that the British media have come out with this month, not even this year. Um, I think the difficulty here is in the last few weeks, we have learned a few things about how the British teams went about preparing for major games. And all of a sudden, we've also seen how various groups within British sports, for example, gymnastics, how badly they are run. And the response to this is to suddenly come out with stories from journalists who, yes, they did bring out the ketone story several years later, um, who now feel the need to deflect. I would also point out that if you were to read The Russian Affair or listen to it, one of the few things that's pointed out that I actually think is very important is where they highlight the fact that ro Russian doping checks internally were still ahead of what was going on elsewhere. Because if you are going to dope, you're going to want to know what you're going to be caught for. I think the suggestion is ludicrous. And I think once again, as with most things that come from the British media, they slightly overlook the fact that all the athletes who were, you know, subsequently banned, they appeared on podiums with other people too. And a lot of those other people on podiums didn't happen to be Russian. So what does that say about the clean sport that they're promoting there? Yep. You know, Russia had and has issues, the same as no more, no less than any other country. 
but it does need to be made a whipping boy like County Clare. Okay, uh, Andrew Flint, same question to you. Do you believe that Russia dodged the 84 Olympics, not over the snub for the, the Asia Olympics, of course, which uh, a lot of countries didn't go to because of the um, war in Afghanistan? Or do you think that it was because Rodchenko knew what was coming down the line? Well, um, what a load of tosh. I mean, look, put it this way. This is a this is a country where we none none of us have at any point tried to say that Russia has not doped. Now let's be honest, they are very good at doping. Therefore, they're not going to avoid an Olympics because they think they'll be found out. They will go knowing that they won't be found out. Now the difference is that when you are led by a knight of the realm who is absolutely flawless, has a lovely white toothy smile and is very presentable to the media. Nothing could possibly go wrong. And because of simply who you are and who you are led by, it doesn't change the fact that, like you just pointed out, don't take our opinion for it. Don't take a subjective point of view here. Look at the medal tables. Look at the performances that have competed with the apparently only guilty parties in the world now this is this is the thing people like to throw mud but they don't like to get dirty themselves if you throw mud you're gonna get dirty yourself we're not trying to say nobody is guilty we're trying to say quite the opposite that in fact it's not only one guilty yeah. I, look, I mean you, you you look at the changes in performance for me i would just take british cycling and this is only one possible example we could take british cycling for what a century had barely scratched the surface of i don't know how many tour de france winners there had been um until the last 20 years and suddenly british cyclists are the best in the world nobody yeah. can beat us now um yeah mm -hmm. okay well okay uh derek listen um in east africa we were told that uh, Kenyans were great runners because Irish Christian brothers were training them. There's a lot to unpack on that <laughs> alone, uh, priests and students and so on. Do you think, how many are banned right now and do you think it is a problem in Kenya? Well, I, I don't think, it's, okay, I, I, right now I'm, I hear about 59 cities that are banned right now, but I don't really think it's a problem. I think, like you said earlier, it's just the media making it a big problem. I mean, like, I feel like every country has people who do this, but I mean, I don't, maybe because Kenyans are so good, that's why they're making it a very big deal. That's what I think. Okay. No, that's a, that's a good point. Um, yeah. Alex B, over to you. Uh, same idea. Do you think it's, 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 is it only the Russians are doping or just that the Russians are dopey and they're getting caught? No, I actually, yeah, I think, I think they're, they're just that good. <laughs> Russian athletes are saints. <laughs> Alex, oh, I love you. You're okay. <laughs> We're going to move quickly to double N very quickly because I've got. I want to get everyone a quick question. Everyone, double N. Uh, in terms of the uh, let's say doping in chess, do you think that it's is that bad? Do you not think the people, you know, they need a little bit of help sometimes? It is bad. It is bad. Like it's uh, completely lost, like the sense, the meaning of the word itself, like doping is like something liquid, but you know, uh, the meaning is there. You're, you're cheating, you know, and of course the computer, like the, all the databases, you know, human brain is just, it's what grandmaster says. Human brain is just not as powerful. So, okay. yeah, it's definitely cheating. Okay. Listen, very quickly, stay there, uh, Double N. A quick run around question before we go away. Double N, Pepsi or Coke? Uh, Coke. 
Okay. Derek. Yep. Big Mac or? or Big Tasty. Big Mac. Big Tasty. <laughs> okay. Ah, uh, okay. Any good, any Big good. Mac or Whopper? Ah, uh, Big Mac. All right. Okay. Alex B, over to you. Okay. Uh, poutine. Okay. Or yeah. fries. Or what fries? Chili cheese fries. Ch oh, poutine. Come on. Okay. Excellent. Uh, Andrew, to you. Uh, John Smith or Guinness? Finished every day of the week. All right. Eastold, Simba or a replacement dog? Replacement dog right now. <laughs> that wasn't difficult. And on that note, we're going to finish our show. We'll be back on Friday. Have a great week. Thank you very much, guys. How much is that dog in the window? <laughs> okay, bye-bye, everyone. Watch the home Defective. How much is that dog in the window? I do hope that doggy is for sale I must take a trip to California And leave my poor sweetheart alone If he has a dog, he won't be lonesome And the doggy will have a good home how much is that dog in the window? The one with the waggly tail. How much is that dog in the window? I do hope that doggy is for sale. I read in the papers there are robbers. With flashlights that shine in the dark My love needs a doggy to protect him And scare them away with one bar I don't want a bunny or a kitty I don't want a parrot that talks I don't a bowl of little fishies He can't take a goldfish for a walk How much is that doggy in the window? The one with the waggly tail How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that doggy is for sale.